Hello and welcome to the Infinity Bros podcast, the only podcast that is perfectly balanced as all things should be. My name is Jared and I'm your host today. I know you're expecting the sweet, sultry tones of Max A. Mosier, but instead you got me. I hope that's good enough for you folks at home. Um, I'd like to introduce our guest today. We have quite a few, which is awesome. Um, first and foremost, he put the glad in Gladiator. Isaac, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm ready to talk about some video games today. Really excited about it. Glad and Gladiator, Jared. I'm digging these new intros. Like maybe, maybe you should just take over from Max. I don't know. I figured since we're uh, we're like big time now, you know, and the way to boost your career from like kind of big time to you've officially made it is to get into some sort of beef with Disney. So that's what I'm going for here. Is that that beef <laughs> aspect? That's a that's a great idea. Yeah, we just need to attract the attention of everybody who could literally squash right. us in in who like that that's the way to go. Uh, you heard his uh his warm and joyous chuckle. Uh now meet him in person. Zane Ellis, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little upset that Isaac gets this really cool, like he puts the glad and gladiator, and I just get like a warm chuckle reference. Like you couldn't you couldn't sauce me some something something to work with here, Jarrett? I tell you what, next time if you're here, yeah, I'll, I'll get you. Budget was tight. Be we on got, the podcast more than four times a year, and then we can talk. <laughs> right? Okay. Touche. We got a guest who uh, <laughs> who uh, took all of our budget for um, great intros this week. So um, he's what the cat drug in. Paul, go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> I, I have to introduce myself. <laughs> Isaac got the full the full blown introduction. Zane barely got an introduction. I have to introduce myself. Sure, it's like yeah, I'm out, geez. guys. I, I I'm out. I did all the work on the front end. You got it, man. It's like you sat down and you're like, oh, I can't wait to script. I'm hosting. I can't wait to script out the introductions. And then you started drinking beer, and like you know, <laughs> half a beer in, you're like, oh, this is enough. He's got this. <laughs> Paul, who are you? Where can people find you? What do you do? Well, um, my name is Paul Cherchian. I am a uh, I'm in the fantasy sports business, and I've got a radio show on KFAN in the Twin Cities. Um, actually, I've got a couple of different radio shows, including the most salient to this particular podcast, Video Games Weekly. The as far as we know, the only over the air video game radio show. My co-host is Reiner from Game Informer and GameInformer.com, and he's great and this is the show where, unlike my fantasy show, I just get to be a guy who loves video games. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to be right about anything. You know, he does. He's got to know it all. And I just get to be the guy who loves video games and loves to talk about them. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that's the gist of that. We started Video Games Weekly. I think now we're in year... I think we're in year 12. And, um, you know, when we started it, the feedback was mostly, get off the air, you nerds. You know, what are you talking about, nerds? <laughs> you know, sure. get out of your mom's basement, nerds. Yeah. And, a sports-based radio show, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, <clears throat> boy, has it changed. That's you know, awesome. now it's, you know, it's basically full phone lines the whole hour if we want. And we'd get almost none of that feedback anymore because everybody plays video games. And it's not <laughs> nerdy. And, you know, this is life for most of us. And, you know, women play, uh, kids play, you know, everybody plays. Your grandma plays. So, you know, fortunately, yeah. in the you know since we started this to where we are today, it's just you know it's become a normal part of life, which is fantastic. That's awesome. Well, speaking of people who don't have any answers, welcome to the Infinity Bros. <laughs> <laughs> what a podcast dedicated to really not helping anyone, right? <laughs> just talking about nothing for an hour. 
we have a really fun segment for you. You uh, you did not come prepared for this, and that's kind of the best part of this. We're going to go ahead and promo that bumper right here. Are you a heel or a baby face? If you can make any flavor cheese it, what would it be? Is it pronounced Grogu or Groku? If Keanu Reeves isn't in the movie, can it be star-studded? It's time for the Infinity Gauntlet, here on the Infinity Bros Podcast. Paul, welcome to the Infinity Gauntlet. You are going to run the gauntlet of questions that we, the Infinity Bros, have prepared for you. Good luck. We hope you survive. <laughs> um, we're going to start off with my question, and then we'll go around the circle here. So okay, my, no, my wait, question no, for you, hold, hold on. So yep, yep, you're yep, going to pepper me with a bunch of different questions <laughs> that you've prepared in advance and I did not know was coming, correct? correct? <laughs> yes. Now, is yep. this going to go a lot like the introduction where there's going to be like one question that you bother to script out and then... Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's that's the goal the here. The point is we just berate you and you flounder around and do the best you can as we completely attack you unprepared. <laughs> it's uh, the nicest thing we can do to our guests. <laughs> All right. My question is, um, Shintaro Fu- Furukawa, uh, our boy Shigeru Miyamoto, and even the man, the myth, the legend himself, Reggie Fisame, show up on your front door. They say, Church, Nintendo is built off of nostalgia we, we thrive off of nostalgia. We need you to pick your favorite game from Nintendo past, bring it to a modern 21st century audience, and I need you to make it as crisp, as fresh as possible. What game do you pull, and how do you change it for today's gamers? Ooh, that's, um, that's a good one. Um, oh, I know the game. I know the game I want. I just want to, I want to make sure I get the name right, because it's been, it's been so long. Um, you remember the GameCube era, uh, for yeah. the for for the for Nintendo, and there was a fantastic horror game when it was really much harder to pull off horror games back then, called Eternal Darkness. Eternal Darkness played with your head a lot. It would do stuff like, um, as you started to seep into madness, it would do stuff like put a fly on your on your screen, and it looked mm-hmm. like you know Man. the game in no other way is acknowledging there's a fly, but there's a fly on your screen. So your temptation is to get up and like hit the fly, but it's actually not there. <laughs> It would tell you your controller's unplugged. Well, it's oh, not, but, <laughs> but it would tell you that wow. the controller's unresponsive. You're trying to put the controller back in and the visuals would be all, would be all crazy. And it got, it was a really, really, and it was just a really good psychological horror game anyway that people remember very fondly. And so for Nintendo that milks the same games over and over and over again, and there isn't necessarily a lot of, you know, a lot of room to find something really that was, a a big hit in its day, but they haven't made again. I think Eternal Darkness is is a perfect vehicle to to get a to get freshened up and see what they can do now with you know what will soon be 4K graphics on a Switch. Absolutely, Isaac. Let's go with your question. <clears throat> All right. Well, mine is uh, kind of in the same vein here. Uh, if you could make a game into a VR game, past, present, or future, any game that is not currently a VR game. Make it into one. What would it be? Well, I love VR, and I don't know if you guys just you know you know that because you've heard the show. Just a little bit. I mean, we're 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 peeking behind the curtain a little bit. So I appreciate that. So you know, in my house right now, I've got an Oculus Quest. I've got a wireless HTC Vive, and wireless is really a huge difference maker in VR. And then I've also got. Um, I've also got the uh, the Valve Index, so I've got three headsets, wow. which should tell you the level of you know of and it's almost at a deviant level of interest in <laughs> in VR. Um, but what I really want to see VR get to, and what I think will really move the needle, is I want to have 
sports games in VR. Oh, wow. And we really yeah. just don't have any sports games. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to be, I want to play in the helmet in Madden, Ooh. right? I want to be, I want to play as, as me, you know, and I don't have to be the quarterback. What I really love to have is an 11 on 11 experience where wow, I'm that in the helmet nuts. and maybe even, you know, one play, you know, I could just, you know, for my team and we're on defense, one play, I'm a cornerback. And then it just shift every play could just shift around. So, you know, you're always playing a different position, you know, one play I'm on the defensive line, then I'm a linebacker, then I'm a safety, whatever. But I would love to have an in the helmet experience and to be able to actually just play out the game and feel like I'm in it. And as, as a quarterback, oh man, it'd be amazing, be awesome. right? Be Drop wild. back to pass. And if I'm like Drew Brees' <laughs> height and I'm short, you know, I'll look, oh, try to look over my linemen and Literally see my passing lanes and open and oh, that would be, oh, oh I really, I just, awesome. yeah, we just, we don't have any real sports games. I mean, True. I think the best sports game we've got in VR is table tennis. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. It doesn't count. <laughs> so it doesn't quite cut it. It yeah. doesn't quite cut it. No, it really doesn't. So that's what I really want. I want to have some. I want to have some great sports games, and I'll start with a, a an iteration of Madden in VR would be awesome. That is awesome. Love that. Not to sideline too much, but you should look into. They have these omnidirectional treadmills. I got to mess around with one of those for VR. Oh my gosh, they're so cool. Have you been on one? Have you actually used it? I, so I worked in a, a lab for the Army down in Huntsville, Alabama, and we had a full VR lab. We had these, like, $60,000 machines. I mean, it was a setup. Um, and, yeah, they're they're wild. They're something else. That, they're so expensive right now. And right, the yeah. games have to support it. So, right. and, um, you know, yeah, and a lot of games don't support that, uh, don't support those yet. Um, and, by the way, if you say that you <clears throat> worked for the Army, is that the same as being, like, a test subject? I mean, if you're a test subject, does that mean you worked for the Army? Yeah, you could say that. It explains a lot about me. Jared, um, Jared's all right, elaborate. To, all right. You know, we knew something new. I'm an advanced AI uh, hacking into your, your machines there. <laughs> this one comes to us from Infinity Bro Mark. He says, for Meatloaf's song, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Paul, what is that? <laughs> Won't do that. What is that? <laughs> That's a great question, Mark. That's such a Mark question, too. Wow. I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> um, well, I, I think what they're referring to is Isaac. I will do Thank anything you. for love, but I won't do Isaac. <laughs> okay, right. that's fair. That's fair. I think my wife would probably appreciate Whoa. that, too. So, um, This one comes from Infinity Bro Max. It's... it's uh, what is the most clever fantasy football name you've ever heard, and what made it so clever? All right. I think my favorite is Two Girlies, One Cup. <laughs> <laughs> two Girlies, One K-U-P-P -P Cup for the guy who had Todd Gurley and Cooper Cup on his team. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, that's oh, it, that's guys. Great. That's the show for this night. Uh, <laughs> that's it for joining us. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll, we'll toss it over to you, Zane. Zane, what's the question for today? Uh, no, that's All right. So, so my question is, we're going to go shift a little bit from video games to board games. My question for you is this. Netflix comes to you and says they're looking for a new TV show, and they want you to create a series based on a board game. What board game do you pick and why? 
Well, it'd be Pandemic Legacy. Are you guys familiar with Legacy games and how those Absolutely. work? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Pandemic Legacy tells an episodic story uh, about a global pl- pandemic and you know all the things that you know you think are going to happen as you're trying to eradicate the the pandemic, but the storyline um, ends up being such that. You know, sometimes you may be inadvertently helping the bad guys. You don't even know it. And, you know, all kinds of great drama that unfolds over those. And because they're truly episodic, I think legacy games are perfect for that. And, and Pandemic Legacy Season 1 in particular is the best is the best legacy game I've ever played. So that's that's what I'm taking would be Pandemic Legacy. That's for sure. One. If you're even remotely cool with board games, Pandemic Legacy is a mind-blowing experience. I mean... It's just so many jaw-dropping moments. And, and you know, from the very beginning, when you're tearing up cards and writing on the board and stuff, and you're like, what is going on? You're breaking all the rules. It's just, uh, it's so good. I believe, like, this is kind of a bit of a rabbit trail, but is the creator of that, he's from Minnesota, isn't he? Well, yeah. So Matt Leacock is one of the co-creators of it with Rob Davio. And Rob uh, Matt grew up in Minnetonka. Uh-huh. And so, um, but he left, I think, shortly after high school or shortly after gotcha. college. Um, yeah, I had him. I've I had him on the show. Uh, I had him on the show about two years ago, and had a chance to talk to him about. Well, actually, no, I had him at the beginning of the pandemic to talk about pandemic. It was this time <laughs> oh, last wow. year. Oh wow! Wow. And um, yeah, so you know, it, we're like, okay, it's the beginning of a pandemic, and you've got the you know the one of the best selling board games in in history called Pandemic. So Hold we on. talked about it. Nice. Uh, yeah. Cool. Super cool guy. And he does have Minnesota roots, although I don't know that he still considers himself a Minnesotan at this point. Fair enough. I think another good answer for that, and we talked about this literally last night, is uh, um, Betrayal Legacy. I feel like that would make for a solid TV series as well. Well, you're right. The Betrayal series would be it would be fantastic. I mean, oh. any of the who do you trust stuff, I think, tends to right. make for really good TV. And and betray- <laughs> you're right. Betrayal would be really good. And almost you could do it. You could do Betrayal even if it wasn't the legacy version, you could do it as like 12 episodes and every episode could be really different people in a different, different scenario. And yeah. you're like, you know, I, you know, you try to figure out who your allegiances are in that particular one, only to find out who is and is not the good guys and what happens. Yeah. Now you're, now you're talking Jarrett's language. He's all in on that. I'm, I'm vibing, man. We're here now. <laughs> uh, last question. And you've been surviving the gauntlet so far, but this one might stumble you a bit. Um, this comes to us live from Infinity Bro Rob. Robbie says, fantasy question, is Hurts the future for the Eagles? He's being totally selfish because Hurts is on his fantasy team, so. <laughs> Tell him to trade him for pennies. <laughs> I don't think anybody can say that yet. And you look at what the Eagles are doing. They're, they're still actively trying to get in position to draft a quarterback. Um, so, you know, there's there's a lot of thought that, you know, maybe maybe that they don't know that he's the guy yet. I mean, so here's the thing. Sooner or later, your quarterback has to be able to pass. And we know that Jalen Hurts can run his way to a victory. Um, but like the Ravens are finding out with Lamar Jackson, sooner or later, you have to have you have to be able to make some great throws. And Lamar Jackson hasn't been able to do that yet. And he's a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts at everything right now. And he hasn't been able to get that going through the playoffs. So, yeah, I, I think there's... I think this is it's way too early to call Jalen Hurts a franchise quarterback. And we don't we don't know for sure what he's going to be able to do going forward. He's probably a better fantasy quarterback because we love our running quarterbacks than he's than he is a real life quarterback based on what we've seen right now. There you go. Suck it, Robbie. 
Yeah, take that, Robbie. <laughs> You've survived the Infinity Gauntlet. How I have. All right, I've officially survived. <laughs> nice. Golf claps. Yep, you did it. We're proud of you. Um, we're going to go ahead and transition to our next seg- segment, and we're going to bumper that right here. Hey, Zane, I was looking into getting into this Gunpla thing. There's one called the Unicorn Banshee. What the heck is that all about? Um, actually, Jarrett, what you're thinking of is RX-0 Unicorn Gundam 2 Banshee, which is from the Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh, actually, you know what? It's time for nerd news. Welcome to nerd news. Um, we're going to start off with probably one of the biggest news uh, articles that shook this week. It is Microsoft reportedly in talks to purchase Discord, which is the chat service that we are all near and dear familiar to. And the amount that's discussed on the table right now is $10 billion. Uh, we'll start with you, Charge. What's your thoughts on this? Well, the billion is the new million, right? I mean, you know, anything yeah. that's worth buying is apparently worth a billion dollars or more. And, um, and and I can uh, Discord's got a ton of value for a lot of different ways, and it, it's become really a staple for for gaming and really even just beyond gaming. I mean, you know, we're talking about adding Discord channels just for a fa- just for fantasy football talk. So you know, I think it's become right. ubiquitous. Microsoft doesn't have really a, a, an an anything that's like it that's already in its portfolio. So I think it makes a ton of sense, and the idea of <laughs> of integrating it into their Xbox, you know, their now ever-growing Xbox platform, which is console and PC, is pretty intoxicating. And then also to kind of own that experience and make it something Sony can't have. Yeah, Yeah. it's worth $10 billion. I mean, sometimes I tend to think about that in terms of the number of employees it equals. So let me get out out a calculator here. 10 billion, (laughs) one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, is equal to how many employees making $100,000? So you're a pretty good employee, you're making $100,000, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. So let's how, let's see how many employees. Do you think I can get a job at Discord for a hundred thousand dollars? I mean, I could. Please. It's a hundred. Yeah. It's a hundred thousand employees. That's that's nuts. That's nuts. <laughs> Maybe wow. I did the math wrong because that doesn't seem right. No, I did, <laughs> I did it right. I did the math right. It's a hundred thousand employees. So let's just say, Jared, I gave you a hundred thousand employees. Could you code up Discord? <laughs> Oh, absolutely not. No. <laughs> not even with 100,000 yeah, no, employees. <laughs> no, with 100,000 employees, I could build like the AI that takes over the future. I mean, that's like <laughs> wild levels of... Jarrett's already planning on taking over the future with his own AI, so I can't imagine what he could do with 100,000 employees. So, uh, I did launch our Discord bot this week, and it has been like private messaging me about how it wants to like integrate into other platforms and it is terrifying (laughs) that is a little scary isaac any thoughts on this yeah actually church you mentioned something that i this this is what's big to me i cannot believe then the next gen launched without discord integration this is the biggest thing to me that has been a thing for a long time i'm surprised we didn't get discord integration into our previous gen because discord's been around for what almost 10 years now i discord is the main channel for gamers for sure but it's also breaking into the business world it's stepping on slack's toes at this point and slack is nowhere near discord as far as just you know daily users and and registered users i think we did we were looking at some of the numbers and discord has like over 250 million users right now slack is like not even close to that 
And at the latest numbers they had was like 12 million. Of course, that was like two years ago because they haven't updated their numbers in a while. But still, it's just like, man, Discord owns the market at this point. And the fact that we don't have console integration is a travesty wild. to me. Absolutely wild. It's, yeah, I, I, I that it's has to be probably on coming. Discord, by the way, not Microsoft or Sony oh, yeah, or absolutely. Nintendo, that's right? All, I mean, this that's is all on Discord for sure. Yeah. And the fact that that Microsoft is acquiring it is both good and bad news because that makes me think we will get dis, that console integration, but it possibly, like you also mentioned, Charge, could be console exclusive. We could have only Xbox integration, which in my eyes is still better than no console integration. So cool, but at the same time as a PlayStation user, kind of sucks a little bit. But I can't believe we haven't had that at this point. And I think... I don't know. Somebody pointed out to me the the fact that they owned that Microsoft owned Mixer and that failed. And if that would have any effect on Discord, I think Discord is its own thing at this point. And they like like I said, they own the market. So I'm not really worried about Discord fizzling out after Microsoft acquires it. But at the same time, I mean, I think I think it opens up possibilities for Discord as well, just being owned by such a large corporation as, as Microsoft. I think they're going to have avenues to to expand uh, that they haven't done already. So I'm afraid to ask this, but uh, Zane, any input? <laughs> no, yeah, no, I just like agree on that. Just it, it makes sense that with the way Xbox has been making this push and Microsoft to kind of add this whole, okay, we have Xbox and the PC. They've been integrating this whole thing. And like Discord for the longest time kind of had the stigma of kind of being like this PC type chat at least it was you know years ago and now it's grown into its own thing that yeah it makes sense bring this along like get this integrated like so many people use this on a daily basis and i personally even even with using playstation i'm not super worried about it if it goes console exclusive quote unquote there's too much money to be made by making it exclusive like, there's too many people on it, too many people using it. Like, and from a business standpoint, it doesn't make much sense to go and just be like, ah, no, yeah, we're just going to put this for our people. Like, what? It, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like, we're talking a billion dollar company. And that's like, yeah, like, that's not something that's going to draw people yeah, 10 to billion. <laughs> Xbox necessarily. Like, oh, hey, guess what? We've got Discord integration. That That's not going to change your mind from buying a PS5 or a xbox series x so i mean it's like a nice thing but i mean if you know if my gaming group is always doing audio on discord right and while we're gaming i've always got my discord window up over here i'm going wherever my friends are going and if those friends are on xbox because it's fully integrated in xbox and some of those friends may be on pc and they're doing a mixed environment or whatever i mean i'm going where my friends go and if my friends are on xbox because it's integrated into that done that's i think that's that I think it does to me become a console a console buy, buying decision because people want to play with their friends. I yeah, I'll give you that. It, it for for people that play multiplayer mostly, which is a large majority of gamers at this point, that would make a slight difference. I would say for me though, like if I had the choice, if I was getting one or the other, I, if I was getting both, it wouldn't make a difference, obviously. But if I if I you know had financial constraints, which I mean I'm well, man, I'm not man like you both. has no financial constraints whatsoever, Isaac. <laughs> How dare I? <laughs> the world is your oyster. I just need to I just need to get hired by Discord and make a hundred thousand dollars a year, and then I could get both the Xbox Series X and the PS5. So that, that would solve all my problems. 
I think I think you bring up a good point, and then uh, not to beat this too much before we move on to the next one, but at launch, right, the big question was what should drive me towards one of these two systems? And the big thing was which consoles exclusives they had. And at launch, there wasn't really much of a choice. You know what I mean? Like both kind of gave us meh offerings. Nothing was too crazy. Obviously, we know Halo Infinite is coming down the pipeline. Lord knows when because it keeps getting bounced around. And as it stands right now, Discord could be a huge sway one way or the other for anyone who hasn't been able to purchase a system. And on top of that, PlayStation 5s are impossible to find. So if you can get a good Xbox with Discord integration quicker than you can, you know, fight off the bots to try to get a PS5. <laughs> oh, that might man. be what people go with. Yeah, there's uh, there's some truth to that at least in the short term while we've got constraints on constraints on availability for these for sure. Right. Um, you know, all that said, what I keep telling people on about that have FOMO over Xbox uh, Series X or the the PS5 is there's nothing to play anyway. Mm-hmm. Turn on I'm playing PS4 games on my PS5. There's sure. you know anything you wanted to play, you know, there's there really hasn't been a system selling game yet. Any, anything that's made me feel like I'm having a next gen experience. So, you know, I've been telling people go buy Oculus Quest 2. You'll have way more fun for the next year playing that than you will in the next year playing anything, any software that's going to come out for these new consoles because there just isn't enough. There just isn't enough content there yet. Moving on to our next bit, um, the new 4K Switch model could launch for $400. Um, if you guys haven't been following the news, Nintendo has been talking about upgrading their systems with uh, more NVIDIA tech, which will support you know, high-res 4K. Um, there was talks that they were going with the Samsung OLED screen, which would have uh, more vibrancy. I'm hoping they upgrade some of the, um, some of the hardware uh, that does the computing as well, because in handheld, I don't know if it's the same with you guys, but I feel like my Switch really struggles in handheld. Um, so seeing this new launch of the next generation of Switch or, or the updated version, um, at $400 seems pretty crazy. Isaac, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm all in like, Hey, if we can get a updated switch, I don't know if that would convince me necessarily right at this second to buy a new switch and upgrade over my current one. But I mean, at down the line, that's absolutely something that I would, I would think about because as I mean, the Switch already had its limitations being kind of like a mid-gen console. Like, I mean, it it already struggles to run some of these games that are really made for PlayStation and, and Xbox consoles. So it's been I mean, it need it needs it if it wants to keep up with this with this next gen. And I'm all exci- like I would love to play some of the games that I play on PlayStation and Xbox on my Switch. And at this point, some of those games just aren't a possibility. Like even though they're available, it's just not enjoyable to play those games. I know uh, I had a couple friends who just downloaded the Apex Legends uh, drop on Switch and they immediately switched back to Xbox because it was awful like they they just couldn't stand playing it on the switch which i think was probably expected i mean it's just we a higher coming, quality yeah. game yeah you, you saw that coming but but i think they need this to keep up with uh with the consoles and if they're not going to come out with another console in the next few years this is a needed update for for the switch so all in. You know, one of the one of the key fa- factors that you didn't mention yet is the bigger screen size. The screen will be right. moves from you know a little bigger than a six inch screen to, if the reports are true, a seven inch screen, and um, 720p on the, in handheld. That to me is a huge factor because 
I, I think like most switch owners, I'm doing 90, 95% of my play undocked. And so yeah. you know, that's a huge, that's a huge factor for me. And I think Isaac really hit it on the head. It's got to be powerful enough to make developers put their AAA titles on it. Call of Duty needs to be on a Nintendo handheld. And until they and get, you know, well. until they have, until they have a processor and a, a system strong enough to play Call of Duty at the same or similar level to where, you know, where the other games are, it's not, you know, they're always going to be hamstrung on this. And this is the last thing that Nintendo needs to conquer, and it always has been. And um, this is this is the thing that moves the Switch into the conversation between, you know, if I can only own one console. It's really hard to make the Switch your only console because you can never play Call of Duty and most of the other AAA titles. It always has to be your other console. If the Switch Pro can be powerful enough to run Call of Duty and run it well, then if I'm going to own one, it can be the Switch. And that's I think that's sort of the last hurdle for Nintendo to get past. The concept right now is that like if you own a Switch, it's a slave to Animal Crossing, Mario, Pokemon, a few others, you know, uh, Stardew Valley, etc. And like that's it. Right. right, you're not. I mean, buying if you're a buying Switch a Switch, you're you buying it for the exclusive Apex. titles. You're not buying right. it for you know the graphical content of the games or anything like that. Uh, Zane, any thoughts? Yeah, no, like I, I agree on everything that's been said. Um, a, a bigger screen, a more powerful console, like that's what people want. That's what takes that Switch to that next step. And I feel like um, Nintendo's made such a market on kind of almost having a a gimmick type thing that they've built on. And then they're like, okay, well we have our own brand and then we're going to make, you know, you got the 64 coming through the GameCube. You got like our controllers different or this is different. It, it always felt more like a gimmicky thing than through the Wii and everything else. But you're just like, oh yeah, this is really fun for, you know, Mario and Animal Crossing, everything else. But I still think a lot of people look at that of like, oh, this is Nintendo. This is, you want to play Mario or you, you know, its own kind of brand and then you move into this and it's almost like they're like okay well no we're looking to take this next step yeah we want to put a console into this next conversation of like yeah if you can only have one you need to consider ours as well and i think going to this switch pro if you will i don't know if that's i doubt that's what they're actually calling it but that's a, a something to uh, an offering ugh, an offering into that next ca- category what do you what do you think they call it, Zane? Oh man, it's gonna <laughs> be it's you. gonna be something weird. Switch you, yeah, the switch you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be something like unique and like totally new, and everybody's gonna be like, "What? Okay." <laughs> they do like uh, Xbox is obviously famous for their horrible naming systems, um, but I feel like Nintendo takes a, a slightly different approach to theirs. (laughs) I was going to roll into talking about PlayStation VR, some of the PS5 stuff that we've been seeing, but I'm instead going to plug you to go look at um, Charch's podcast. I actually, I was only able to catch one episode before uh, we got to do this interview and this conversation. So, and the one that I caught was you guys talking about the PlayStation VR. I don't think we as a group of bros have much to add beyond the conversation that you guys had there. So I'm going to point but you that you, way. And then we'll you roll. specifically do Jarrett though. I mean, you've got I do. some I, good experience. <laughs> I have the uh, PlayStation 4 VR, which Charge can attest is atrocious. Um, 
It's better than nothing, but it's it's got yeah. Its that's problems. a good way to put it. Being wired is horrible. Frame rate suffers at times. It's just like there's so many issues with it. Having to use the camera instead of self tracking is a nightmare. Um, and you guys actually talked about literally all this stuff on your podcast. So I'm going to point you guys that way because I'm not <laughs> saying anything new. Um, instead, I want to roll into. Uh, this isn't really a new segment, just us chatting with Charge a little bit. We're going to talk about some board game chat. It's it's kind of your baby, the thing that you enjoy the most. So we'll go ahead and kick over into that. Before we do that, I want you, the Infinity Bros universe, to uh, get familiar with our rating system. So we'll go ahead and plug that right here. Here on the Infinity Bros podcast, everything is ranked from a 0 to 6 point scale. 0 meaning horrible and 6 meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the Infinity Bros rank something a six, it gets an Infinity Snap. I'm gonna open this up pretty, pretty uh, conversationally. Charch, you're a big compo- or you're a big fan of board games and board gaming community, and it makes sense living in Minnesota. Um, you have leader games, you have FFG, you have Asmodee, you have all these uh, concentrated board game designers and board game companies in one place. Is that what drove you into this, or was it just a lifelong love? So it's it's kind of a funny story um, of how I sort of got in got more into the the board game world. So uh, I was always somebody that that was interested in board games, but I hadn't really realized where they had advanced to, uh, mm-hmm. the degree to which they had improved. You know, I grew up on the crappy board games that many people grew up with, like Monopoly and Risk. Right. And, you know, that stuff, (laughs) games that you couldn't even make today because they would have no market appeal whatsoever. (laughs) But I grew up with those and was not really aware of where gaming had 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 gone. And then, okay, I'm going to tell you the longer story. And I I apologize for your listeners, but I think it might be worth the journey on this. Okay, so I've got a thing. I have a thing called Whiskey Weekend and. Every February, me and nine other guys all go up to a cabin in central Minnesota. No girls. We have basically no phones. And it's just a weekend of gaming and whiskey. And we do um, we do a whiskey taste off, a double bracket, a March Madness style elimination of whiskeys, blind tasting. And we're playing games. And um, I'm up there one, about, you know, this is about 10 years ago. Middle of Minnesota, February. It's like negative eight degrees outside and I'm sitting in the bar waiting to get into my room and in comes have you guys ever seen the tv show mad men oh yeah from at least one of you only Isaac's familiar Zane (laughs) has not seen it um mad men was a very popular tv show and in comes one of the actors from mad men no way this is the guy from mad men in central Minnesota in February um (laughs) I'm like, what is, yeah, um, you know, what's going on? And I'm like, this is the guy who plays Harry Crane. Wow. He's got the angles. It's the TV. He does the TV marketing for the then emerging TV uh, market uh, place. So anyway, I'm like, okay, he's here. It's kind of weird. So, but I don't want to bug him or anything, right? Because, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy. So then I decide, so I just let that go. Then I'm just said, okay. What's going on? So I dig in. You know, why would this guy been there? Well, it turns out he's from Minnesota. And then I start. I look at his. Oh, wow. The actor's name is Rich Summer. And then I start looking at Rich's blog. And Rich has got a board game blog. And I'm like, what the hell? 
Okay. <laughs> this right. is just yeah. weird. So then I decide, okay, and, and at this point, the Mad Men finale happens to be timing out right about here. You know, it's going to end its run of whatever seven seasons or whatever it was. And so I booked him on KFAN. And we ended up talking board games the whole time. And he really brought wow. me up to speed on the amazing board games that are out. Um, and so then I'm like, I got to dig into this. And then that just that <laughs> just cascaded into just, you know, that just kicked the door open. And I found out all the amazing board games that are being made. And, you know, and it's moved a ton in 10 years. But, yeah, so that's oh, yeah. that was sort of how it all started with. And I'm Rich and I are still in touch. And, and he is a super good guy. And. Um, yeah. I think you might be the only person I've ever heard of that a celebrity got you into board games. That's that's an interesting story. <laughs> it's like, what are the odds? <laughs> that is so nuts, dude. Isn't it weird? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy so, story. Yeah, a, a legitimate Hollywood celebrity got me into board games. It's true. Oh, I think that's probably one of those cool things that just shows how you might not realize it, but board games connect so many different people from so many different walks of life. And, you know, you got famous people, you got something you can teach kids, you got middle-aged people, you got just everyone. And that's, it's, yeah, it's such a community that you got so many people from everywhere be like, oh, you've played this game? Have you played this game? Have you tried this one? And it, it's just like, it, it brings joy to people when you can talk board games and want to play board games. And it's, it has such a community feel to it. And I think that's what really draws a lot of people to board games. Yeah, that's very well said, Zane. And, you know, one of the big things that's really changed it is the proliferation of cooperative gaming, because now, you know, it as it's it typically and, you know, board games we all grew up with, it's all competitive. And usually the smartest and the most strategic and the most cutthroat person is going to end up winning um, and will win 80 or 90 percent of the time unless it's a very luck based game. And then that guy doesn't enjoy it. Because right. he doesn't get to use any of those skills, or she. <laughs> yep. And um, and so now with cooperative gaming, it really le- levels the playing field because you're on the same team. And different people bring different things to the table. And, you know, just being the smartest, most cutthroat, strategic, tactical guy doesn't necessarily mean that your team's going to, you know, you're going to beat everybody. And now you're using that together. So, yeah, that was a that's a that was a big change. And I think it's one of the reasons Pandemic in particular is such a great right. game is. Yeah. It does such a good job of getting everybody to play on the same team. Right. Yeah. And that's actually what I was going to point out, Church, is that I I mean, that was the first experience to a cooperative game that I had. And it was it was an eye opener. Like it was something that I had never been a part of. And it was like, you know what? Like we can all sit around and have a good time and not like get at each other's throats because we're all trying to beat this game together. It's not like we're all competing against one another. You know, we're competing together to beat the game instead of against each other. So that that's, yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I, I personally love cooperative board games. I know some people that are super competitive kind of miss that competing against one another type of thing in those games. But I, I love the idea of teaming up to beat a bigger a bigger bad guy, you know? So I, I've loved every cooperative board game that I've been a part of. The pitch that I give to people for like, cause I play a lot of the living card games. If you're familiar with FFG's products, um, they had the Lord or yeah, they had the Lord of the Rings rings one. And then recently Marvel's champions has taken off and that's my baby. Um, but the pitch to new players is, Hey, it's fine. 
I'm not playing against you. So my extra knowledge doesn't hurt you in any way. In fact, like come along on this journey with me and I'll help you play this and it'll be fun together. And the pitch for that, like hardcore metagamer, uh, what do they call them? Munchkins or min-maxers, right? Those people who like have to win all the time. You tell them like, okay, this is challenge mode for you. You're the Sherpa. You have to carry this person who's never played before. <laughs> and suddenly it's it's okay that they're playing the co-op game because it's it's harder for them to try to boost this person up and carry them there. And I think it lends itself well to that sort of thing. Charge, if you could. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. No, I just, I, I just agree with what I, I agree with what you said. Even if you're hyper competitive, you can you can find challenge wherever you want. If you if you had to introduce five board games to a new player or a you know, an old player who hasn't really had a chance to try some of these new products. What would be your your Hall of Fame board games? These are ones that you have to play at least once. Depends a lot on the audience, um, which is a huge factor. And actually, I get asked about board games so often on Twitter. I've got a stock. I've created a I've created a word document that I just share with people. That's got <laughs> all of my nice. different games by category. Like, what kind of gamer are you? And sure. here's my here's my recommendation for what you're looking for. So categories are cooperative gaming, and I've got pandemic at the top of that list. But I'll also mention, as a, as especially for my very my broader audience, five minute dungeon is oh that's a, a good one. Hoop. Yep. It's so much fun, and that's one of those games where people play it, and then they they play it at my house. They're like, well, I got to go buy that. And, you know, they stop and target yeah. it the way home, and they go play buy five minute dungeon. That's a great game that's cooperative. There's a game called The Captain Is Dead which is a takeoff oh, yeah. of Star Trek. Really fun cooperative game in which uh, the captain is dead. There's aliens outside the ship and you and everybody else are working to uh, try to keep the aliens at bay and eventually warp out. And then for for established, more sophisticated gamers, Mansions of Madness 2, uh, Eldritch Horror are probably my two all-time favorite games and I, I love those. Um, then there's a category I have called Husband and Wife Games. For easier nice. to play, easier to learn, two-player games, um, could be wife-wife and husband-husband. We're not judging here. The uh, patchwork falls into that category um, as a two-player, easy-to-play game, Star Realms, uh, inexpensive two-player mm-hmm. game. And then for like family games, I love Catan and Dominion and Ticket to Ride and Dixit the is classics, great. And these, yeah. these are all games you can just buy at Target, which is you know super easy to get and love those two. Party classics, games? yeah. Have you guys played Secret Hitler? Yes. I haven't played that one. That game is wild. <laughs> it's a social deduction game in which half of the group are fascists. In uh, in This is in Germany, 1930s Germany. Half of you are fascists. Half of you are, uh, are liberals. And then they're at it odds like trying to get to Hitler, <laughs> Hitler up uh, to be chancellor. And it is a, it's a blast. Nobody knows who's who. It's all oh finger gosh. pointing at each other. Yeah, it's it's uh, secret Hitler so is just a Z- Zane's a big history buff, so that's that's a Zane that game. That sounds right there. wild. I'm I'm all, I'm all in. Let's go. <laughs> it's so much fun. I don't want to try to explain all the mechanics of it, but nobody wants to be ID'd as as the fascists. They're all they're all proclaiming to be liberals, but at the end of the day, you kind of have to. At the end of every round, you kind of have to vote. Um, but it's also it's kind of like a secret vote. So you it's it's about about whether or not you know policies should be liberal or fascist and. And it's hard to describe. One person is secretly Hitler, but you don't know who that is either. And and it's it's real. Ah, it's just great. So anyway, <laughs> secret Hitler, super super fun, and it's yeah, it's it's a great time. That's awesome. I'm gonna go ahead and hit you with some board games, and feel free to chime in with this, guys. I want to get your just gut instinct ranking, zero to six point scale, uh, just quick rapid fire as fast as we can. So um, let's go with Sheriff of Nottingham. 
I can go first if you want, but I, I, I think the other guys might. Oh want yeah, to no, no, sorry. sorry, I was I'm I'm shooting, shooting at you. you. Oh okay, sorry. Yes, okay. Um, <laughs> own it. I've played it twice. It's uh, I thought it was a. I think it's a fun game, and it's got a little deceit level to it, which I think is really good. And um, but I've only played it a couple of times, and not in three or four years. So I'm not gonna be able to break it down that way. But um, and I guess maybe that says something, right? If I own sure. it and I played it two times in three or four years means, you know, I like it, but I, you know, not enough that, you know, my family's itching to play it on a regular basis. So maybe a three, uh, three out of six. Oh yeah. Right. I, sp- I forgot. I'm supposed to be rating these three <laughs> out of six. Uh, yeah. That sounds about right. Three out of six. Isaac. Let's just, let's just go with the classic. Let's go with Catan. You mentioned that on your list. What I love about Catan is that you can ever, it's got, it's just sophisticated enough. You can teach it to almost anybody um, and it's a genuinely good game, and it really ra- it's 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 one of those games that is your gateway game, right? So you start into board gaming on Catan, and then once you've played a few rounds of Catan, you played that several times. They play it for money sometimes. Um, then it turns into well, if you like that game, you know now you you know now you you know the world of board gaming is open to you. Honestly, like that's exactly how I've heard it described many times. Is that like Catan is a a great gateway board game that gets you into the more strategic games and and more complex games. That's that's pretty great. Yep, and I I love that it's a game built on bartering too, uh, and that's yeah. a key. You know, you don't have to barter, and nobody has to partake in that. But I love that that's part of the game and part of the social interaction to it. Definitely. I'm going to go on this because we were talking about Secret Hitler, but this has always been one of my favorite games, but how about Axis and Allies? Never played it. Never so, played it. Yeah, oh. I can't Yeah, I can't speak to... Oh, and my Catan rating, by the way, I'm going to give it a 5 out of 6. So I haven't played Axis and Allies. And war games, here's why. War, And I think it's a very light war game, but the war games tend to really drill down into a rule book that's this thick, and right. it's all the minutia, and okay... Do you have uh, flanking and cover? You have a combination of flanking, cover, and uh, and you're also um, adjacent to a wall. Well, that gives you a plus seven modifier on this table. <laughs> and if you roll on that table, you get to index to table seven over here. And to me, that's just – to me, for my style of gaming, that's just – that is not a, a little – a little deeper than what you want to go. Like I need it. Not to mention those games, you have to plan out a whole day for because they take six plus hours to complete. Like it's, it's ridiculous. You got to have a dedicated group at that point. Yeah, for sure. How do we feel about Mysterium Charge? Love it. Uh, it's a family favorite, and we just bought the new light version of Mysterium called Mysterium Park. Uh, faster, more streamlined. It, the only thing I don't like about Mysterium is that it's got some wonky rules, but. The, the part that I love is that, and that what I've learned is I basically don't even tell the rules to people. I just start handing them cards and, you know, give them the, just the core concept that, you know, you're being given, you're being given a piece of artwork that you need to match with another piece of artwork and out of a group of artwork and go do that. And then, you know, we'll worry about the details later on this whole murder mystery, finding a ghost, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And so I think it's, it, it's, it's, it's got a rule book that doesn't need to be 10 pages long. And I think they over they overcomplicated it, but just the core right. concept is so strong, and the artwork is so compelling that people love playing Mysterium. I give that a I would give that a six out of six in in my book, and nice. it's a great one because you can play with anybody. You, you know, Agreed. from 100%. nine to ninety nine, they can all play Mysterium. 
Absolutely. That's a six out of six for me as well. Um, Isaac Zane, any more? Uh, yeah, I, I've got one more. So, uh, so I mentioned Catan before, but this one I, I kind of described to people as a similar, like slightly more complicated version of Catan, but Seven Wonders. Seven Wonders, another absolute stone cold classic, right? And, mm. um, you know, once you get that my my only hesitancy on Seven Wonders is that it, and it's it's kind of lame, but it really there is a there is a bit of a learning curve with all the iconography on it. The whole thing mm-hmm. works on icons, and you have yeah, to right. learn what each little icon means. And that first game is kind of a loss. Yeah, right. It's more of like a learning session than an actual board game session. Yeah, exactly. Um, after that, you it's it's all good. Um, it's it's. You know, it, it ends up being a really fun, easy to play, but still tactical thing. And the thing that I like the best about it, I, I think, I just love drafting cards. That style of, you know, all right, we start with seven cards. I keep one and then I send six to the left and then I get Zane six cards and then I pick one and then I send five to the left. I mean, I love that. I love that drafting style. And that there's a, just awesome, a ton, yeah. there's a ton that goes into that that I that I really enjoy. Awesome, Zane, you got a pick? Oh uh, yeah, I was like, well, everyone else is doing two. I might as well throw a second one out there. <laughs> um, I know me and my roommates actually really enjoy this one, but have you played Unmatched? You know, I haven't. It looks it looks really good, but I, I like the idea of ha- it's like two weird things that don't go together, right? Um, and you know, just and you can mix and match the you can mix and match the games, right? Yeah, yeah. So you have all types of different characters from fantasy TV shows, and those become your characters. So you can go either two-player battles or four-player battles, and you literally just take this character and its own set of cards and everything, and you literally have have a fight to see who wins. And I think that's what such the appeal of that is to us because you, yeah, you can mix and match. You can have, you know, the the raptors from Jurassic Park fighting Dracula. Or you can have <laughs> that sounds amazing. You, know, you can have a- Alice from Alice in Wonderland going against Bigfoot. Like it, it just you can just whatever crazy creation you come up with, you can just have them fight, and it, it's a it's a lot of fun. And there's um, at first it was only like the four, but they've actually had a lot of uh, the DLC, no, not DLC, but expansions come out, and like literally every few months it seems like there's a new expansion pack coming out. So there's fighters of any flavor that you could want and you just go at it and it's it's a lot of fun it sounds like and it's it's com- it's competitive right so you're you know yep. you're battling your buddies and yep. your little red riding hood and your buddy is godzilla and you need to go in exactly exactly <laughs> oh my gosh yep. <laughs> it's like fig- figure it out <laughs> it sounds like fun I you know I admit it it does it sounds like good time um I've restoration games to me have been uh, really hit and miss and they're the they're the people behind this one um it's yep. a Rob, Rob Daviel bit and Fireball Island was one of my biggest disappointments in the history of board games and um but I've enjoyed others of theirs like Downforce uh which is a, a car racing game and has been a staple at my whiskey weekends um but yeah I'm I'm interested in that so you like it you've played it and you, you recommend it Oh, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. And it's nice because, um, like you kind of mentioned earlier, it doesn't have this massive rule book. There's not a ton of... Um, so basically, like, the rules in your attacks is, comes from cards in your hand. And 
So, like, you'll have attack and defense cards, and so, like, you go, like, hey, Isaac, I'm attacking, you know, I'm coming with Bigfoot and attacking your Robin Hood, so I'll, you know, face down, lay an attack card, he'll pull a defense card, we flip it, and then resolve, you know, the attack card wins or whatnot, and it's super easy to pick up, super easy to get into, and yeah, I think the biggest part, there's so many different fighters, so many different, like, expansions to get into, and I think... That's something that I really like of games that like, hey, here's this game, but then also if you want to go down this rabbit hole, we have all these expansions you can get into, and that that sells me a lot on a game. When like, here, just keep adding to this, and I'm like, I'm all in. Take all my money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nothing if not selfish. Um, the Infinity Bros can attest to that. And so I'm going to get the last word, and I'm going to pitch you a third game before we move on here. <laughs> um root by leader games have you had the chance to check it out i own it i have not played it and i i consider it one of my great failings that i haven't played it because roots obviously great it's got minnesota roots and mm-hmm. um i'd love to I, I know it's a great game i just i haven't played it yet and that's uh i got too many games that fall into that category of things that i bought because it's you know i see it on sale and i know it's a good game so then i buy it and um and i i've had the chance to talk to those guys at gen con and um oh, wow. and they seem okay. like great guys too so yeah, um, yeah, that's a. I, I I wish I had played it. So that's that's where I stand on. My understanding is everybody loves it, and I like that it, it's popularized asymmetric play. Oh, absolutely! I think that's one of those two where like the first game is just teaching people how to play because the asymmetry throws everybody off. Um, it is like this beautiful war game and card game wrapped in this just warm and fuzzy like woodland feel i think that's like a testimony to kyle farron's art but like brilliantly designed you should definitely check it out i'm not saying anything you don't already know but um we're gonna go ahead and skip our hot and snot for this week uh just because we got a little bit of a time crunch and i am very curious to hear what your top five is so we'll go ahead and roll with our top five starting now we're going in three, 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 You're entering the top five on the Infinity Bros podcast, starting now. Every week we like to do a top five. Um, we talk about the top five things in a different subject. This week it is top five video game consoles. Now this isn't specifically a top five best-selling video game consoles, top five consoles you've spent the most time on, just your arbitrary these are my top five go-to. Um, let's go ahead and start with number five with Mr. Zane. All right. You guys ready to go on just this nostalgia trip with me? Please. <laughs> take me there. All right. Or hip- uh, take me there. <laughs> All right. Well, my num- number five for me is the Nintendo 64. And the reason why like, I have to have it on there is this was the first console that me and my brother got as kids. And my mom wasn't happy about it because my grandma got it for us for Christmas and I still remember opening it up and my mom was just like, I can't believe grandma got that for you. And of course, me and my brother were like, this is the coolest thing ever. This is awesome. But so, yeah, I got it. Nintendo 64. It's classic. Love that. All right, Charge, what's your number five? Not really prepared for this as well as I should have been. <laughs> I didn't have necessarily a one through five listed out. Sure, um, no worries. Uh, let me think here. Uh let me go here. The Sega Dreamcast was mm. the console that I wanted to do better than it did. It was sure. when it came out, it was way more powerful than the PS1. And it was a better system in a v- large a number of ways, including having the really cool memory card that had the the video on it. 
on the memory mm-hmm. card. So you could do stuff on the memory card. It had a good controller. It had online dial-up connectivity built into it. And, <laughs> you know, so some of the early online was built into the Sega Dreamcast. And really the only thing that sunk it was it just it didn't have – there were some key developers like EA that never got on board. And uh, But from just, you know, a power and gameplay standpoint, I loved the Sega Dreamcast. So I'll make that my number five. And I'll keep plugging away at the others when I while you guys are chatting. <laughs> uh, Isaac, what's your number five? I have, uh, and this one I kind of struggled with to put on here, um, but I put my PS5 as number five, and that's because I have just really impressed with all of the next-gen features that it has. And so I started out playing Miles Morales on my PS4, which I also love. The PS4 is a great console. Um, but the load times are pretty long. I mean, it's a it's basically a next-gen game that they... Um, you know, had modified for the PS4. So, like, it was pretty long load times. And I we've just, just gotten used to that, dealing with with the higher graphical, you know, uh, content of games. And when I got my PS5, zero load times. It was amazing. And uh, I've, I mean, the UI has, needs some work, granted, but everything else about this console... I've been in love with the DualSense controller is amazing. It's probably my favorite controller of all time, um, and and I'm really excited to see what comes out on it. So, yeah, definitely has drawbacks like no you know real launch titles and and stuff like that that we can fully get the feel of it at this point. But really excited for the future of the PS5 for sure. So that's my number five. Are you gonna sit here and tell me that Bug Snacks? doesn't make PlayStation 5s fly off the shelf. <laughs> that was the launch um, title that sold people on the PS5. You're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, all jokes aside, PlayStation 5 is also mine um, for a lot of reasons. The controller being the biggest one. Um, mm-hmm. Again, like snappy response time. Everything loads up on an instant. Right now, it's a slave to, as you guys mentioned, PlayStation 4 games and even PlayStation 1 games. Um, I'm introducing my sons to like Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, all the games that I grew up on. Um, and so having that be something that I can throw on real quick in a hurry mm-hmm. and not wait for my PlayStation 4 to like start up the jet engine that is its fan. Oh my gosh, um, dude. It's really, really nice. It's literally an airplane. My old PS4. It's horrible. It's, it's absolutely it's horrible. Uh, Zane, what is your number four? All right. Uh, number four for me is my old Nintendo GameCube. Again, just riding this nostalgia train. The GameCube was the uh, the first console I ever saved my money and bought it myself. And that was a huge point of pride because I was like, I finally own this. I saved up my money all summer. And yeah, just those nights. Uh, it, the big game me and my brother always played was Mario Kart Double Dash. I, I don't know. That's just what we stuck on. And so, I yeah, the GameCube, such great memories with that. Absolutely. Charge, what is your number four? In television. You guys are too young to have any appreciation. (laughs) Yes, yeah, we really are. You're going real. (laughs) There was a time when the big big console war was the Atari 2600 versus the Intellivision. But the Intellivision had like double the processing power and way better games. And it was always sort of an uphill battle and it didn't win. I think the Atari ultimately won in as much as, you know, they both died shortly thereafter. But um, the Intellivision had a... Um, had 
you know, like I said, the better games, and it had the controller, which was ultimately pretty misguided, but it had a flat disc on the controller, and then a thing where you could, every game had a different insert to lay over uh, onto the controller, to lay that to lay over the keypad on it so that you could see what the keys did for that game. And yeah, the, I have tons of great memories as a kid playing in television. I have literally never seen this thing in my life. <laughs> Neither have I. It, the look, I. I looked it up. This thing looks wild. I want to get one of these. <laughs> I'm telling you, it, at the time it was groundbreaking, and it was yeah, it was it was fantastic back in its back in its day. And you know, obviously now it looks like utter rubbish. But you know, yeah. given what our alternatives were at the time, yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was great. The 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 disgusting brown and the faux leather pan or the faux wood paneling is like so on point with this thing uh, i had a i had a buick century with a car phone and it looked exactly like this. <laughs> very comparable yep. um, isaac and part of so it sorry, you know, the sports games on in television the the sports game games that that were on the atari 2600 at the time like you're playing baseball and there's three guys on the field because <laughs> I mean, it couldn't, you know, it didn't have the power to do anything more than that. So, when television had the first sports games that seemed remotely like the game that they were trying to show, so or trying to play, very, very loosely based on, yeah. Isaac, number four. Uh, just quick uh, callback. We had one of those, like, you guys ever played those plug and play like controller games? Like, we had oh, an yeah. old one that had all the old Atari games on it. And I remember playing the track and field and it's like, is this what people did back in the day? Like you literally ran in a line for a video game like the, this, <laughs> this doesn't seem fun at all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's great. That's great. All right. My number four is the Nintendo Switch. Um I think this is a revolutionary console, like the fact that you can play it on your TV, and then just pick it up and go on the road and play the same game with the same save that you had is is an amazing concept. And Nintendo, I mean, they've been revolutionary in gaming for the past, you know, whatever, 30 plus years. And this is absolutely no different. I mean, really, they're in a different, it's weird because like, you have a hard time, I and mean, we mentioned it before, you have a hard time comparing PlayStation and Xbox to Nintendo. And as part of that is due to the graphical constraints of the console. But the other thing is, it's it's, it's in its own league. It's its whole different thing than than PlayStation and Xbox are. So I, I love my Nintendo Switch. I love the fact that I can just pick it up and go and play a game nearly on the same level. Not, you know, obviously exactly the same, but like, pretty close to the same as I'm playing on my TV. I think that's awesome. And the games that it has are also amazing. Can't wait for more games to come to the Switch, but uh, but yeah, it's it's an awesome console. So that's number four. Um, my number four is my Game Boy. Um, I killed Ooh. way too many hours on this as a kid trying to... Um, which which one though? The, like, do you have a color? The Yeah. The OG. OG, yeah, wow. Yeah, the OG nice. Game Boy. Um, I killed way too many hours on this, you know, trying to find the light in my room so I didn't have to flip on the light. I would like hide <laughs> under the door. You didn't, you didn't so have I the clip on light? Oh, come on, no, bro. No, I was not that cool. Um, I, all my friends had the clip on light and the, the printer or whatever that came with it. I was, I was really broke. I just had the one. Um, no, I think I, like so many good memories come from just like 
you know, playing it in the car and trying to like, you know, beat a Pokemon battle between the street lights as we were riding in the backseat. Um, and so many memories are attached to that. So that's number four for me. Um, Zane rolling into number three. Uh, number three is to kind of hit the ground running with what Jared said. My number three is also Game Boy. Um, in particular, uh, me and my brother had a Game Boy Pocket. And so it, and it all for all the same things, the playing, you know, no backlight. So you're trying to find the right light when it's dark out. The astronomical amount of batteries you went through <laughs> you just had bags of batteries and like mom we need more batteries it's just like um, just getting frustrated like okay well budget your money guys and you can just buy the big pack the, the, the big pack and you guys are going to be good to go but yeah just th- that nostalgia and i think one of the first games i ever fully beat was actually on the game boy it was uh link's awakening oh there you go and, and yeah, a bit of a throwback there. And so yeah, I I had to go Game Boy there. Side note, have you seen the um Nintendo Switch Link's Awakening? It got a facelift and, and the art style in that. It looks gorgeous. good, dude. I haven't played it, but it looks really cool. It's really, really nice. Um, Charge, number three. Uh Nintendo Switch. Uh, and uh for many of the reasons I already discussed, I'm not gonna bore people, but I'll I'll say this. Nintendo Switch is my most played console since it came out. Isaac, your number three? My number three is actually the Xbox 360. And there's really not like a whole lot that's special about the Xbox 360, but it's what brought me into modern gaming, I feel like. And and it's you probably just love the a console, console that constantly breaks. Right. <laughs> it's it's the console that I started playing multiplayer games on. It's a console that like, I mean, I I think I started playing Skyrim on, which is my favorite game of all time. Like, it's it's got some nostalgia, and, I mean, there's a ton of drawbacks to the Xbox 360, don't get me wrong, but but just bringing into the, the modern gaming, I feel like, was enough for me to, to put it on the list. So, that's my number three. And my number three is the Wii U. Um, it, oh, I, love the I did Wii not U. expect oh, the, Wii the Wii U to be on yeah, a list here. It's shocking, I know. <laughs> I think the ability to have, like, it, it kind of did sort of what the Switch did with the controller that you could hold. Um, and you could either play it on the screen or play on your little pad there. It wasn't great, obviously, but it, it kind of pioneered that in a way that Switch took the step further. What I loved is being able to play those Wii games, like the vacation games or Wii, uh, what is it? Wii sports and sports, sports resort and yeah. stuff like that. Being able to play those on the Wii U was like significantly better. And I don't know why. Maybe it was just all in my head. But yeah, Wii U makes my list just for like the weird things that they did. Uh, the slight <laughs> step up to. And there was um, Nintendo Land, which is a game that everybody should play exactly uh, once or as many times as they want, which was a fun party game that used your little handheld screen as like a way to hide information from the other players. So they would all watch the big screen. You would watch the little screen. And oh, like, that's interesting. It was concept. very cool. It was very interesting. That's the cool. That they did with that. I wish they would have taken that a step further. But yeah, for that reason alone, we use on my list. Um, Xenofer, what is your <laughs> number two? Uh, my number two, like I'm jumping back into my PS4. Um, the reason why I had a, a number two on my list is just because this was the first time I jumped to PlayStation. I was always like Nintendo and Xbox before this. And not only just the amount of hours that I put into it, um, but the exclusives PlayStation had is just phenomenal. Like, especially as I got older, I was like, I love games that take me on an adventure and tell me a story. And PlayStation gave me that. 
And not only that, but then it kind of became the social gaming thing. Like, all my friends had PlayStations. And it, it became a huge thing of, like, well, I want to, you know, play with what my friends are playing. And, like, it's not just games. There's a social aspect of people want to go where their friends are. And that's what brought me to PlayStation. So that's Zane, why it's number your two. Friends, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you do it too? <laughs> How high is the bridge? <laughs> uh, charge, you're number two. <laughs> The Xbox 360, and unlike Isaac, I'm actually going to say good things about the Xbox 360. <laughs> Isaac gave the most, you know, I, I just apologize for his pick. But the Xbox 360 is an astounding come-from-behind story from a company that nobody believed had any chance to win its generation. Nobody thought it was going to beat the BS3. And it did, yeah, it did. You're right. I know in worldwide sales, it was kind of neck and neck, but that's not. it's not even, in reality, it's not even very close. So the Xbox 360 brought us Real online gaming with Xbox Live to the masses totally changed, forever changed multiplayer gaming. It was, yes, you know, the, the line in the sand is before and after Xbox Live on the 360. It also brought the era of real open world gaming. You know, this is where we first got most of our you know, great open world gaming appeared during the Xbox 360 era. And how many of the how many of our great games were better like Skyrim? You mentioned Skyrim, Isaac. Yeah, yeah. were better on the 360 than they were on the PS3. You know, the PS3, oh, yeah. right. you, know, be, you know, for lots of reasons failed. The the Xbox 360 single-handedly propelled the shooter category to where it is today. You know, Call of Duty on the Xbox 360 is pivotal, right? Mm-hmm. And then also they introduced what was ultimately going to be the best controller by a mile, right? I mean, they, they advanced the controller spectrum a billion years ahead while everybody's trying to play with their little tiny, you know, PS2 and PS3 controllers and everything, here was a controller that worked great for basically everything and especially shooters. So to me, the Xbox 360 is, you know, I think, unlike what Isaac would have led you to believe, will apologize for its <laughs> ranking. This is the, this is arguably the best, most important and pivotal console of all time. A lot of the conversation surrounding modern gaming is like, and, and this is going to tickle Zane's fancy. Halo was such a big like cultural event yes you know if you look back at some of the older stuff like the thing that people think of when they think of land parties and gaming is often like halo mountain dew and doritos you know what i mean (laughs) and a lot of that is due to uh the hype of halo one and then rolling into halo two halo three it was like a a cultural shift surrounding that game where suddenly it was cool to be somebody who played video games because you could play halo um yeah good pick uh isaac what is your number two my number two is basically purely nostalgia based and that's the nintendo 64 it's the first console i ever played had so many great games and that's another you know revolutionary nintendo uh console like i mean it brought it brought gaming to the 3d level like it hadn't before i mean they tried to do some stuff with the snes that just ultimately looked awful um but the nintendo 64 just i mean i still like i have these uh mario uh super mario 64 for the switch on that that uh group that came out and i'm still enjoying it like the controls are awful granted but man like i didn't even i didn't even really need a remaster or anything like it like it's still super enjoyable to play so and that was the first console i ever played uh super ton of nostalgia for playing that and goldeneye Man, ton of great memories with the Nintendo 64. So that is number two for me. 
My number two is a shout out because this is literally my boy's first and favorite system. It is, as my son James calls, the Nintendo Switch. Um, <laughs> for all the reasons, I'm not going to beat that dead horse that you've already talked about. Just a great, absolutely awesome design. Um, I'm excited to see what they do with the Nintendo Switch Pro or Nintendo Switch U, Nintendo Switch 720, whatever they want to call it. <laughs> um, but no, absolutely great console. Uh, Zane, bringing us into number one. All right, number one, and like for all reasons stated before, what Charge said, and then even what uh, Jarrett rolled into, my number one's the 360. Um, just it really launched off, you know, your online gaming. It redefined the shooter generation. Um, Halo was huge, and then like what Jarrett said, the the land parties, being able to play with your buddies, like. Yeah, I remember those nights staying up till three in the morning. Hey, we're just gonna crush Halo and drink Mountain Dew. And you mean, you're like, you mean like last night or? <laughs> yeah, Zane still no, does that. not not quite last night. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish, but no. It it just you you look back on those, and again, like my whole list is just dripping with nostalgia. But I there's still just something about that that those were just not the pure days of gaming but like that's when you kind of decided like hey this is what i really like and that kind of just charted your course for as you got older of like hey let's keep going with this so that's i gotta say i appreciate that you gave you gave me and charge a shout out when uh it wasn't even on my list, but it was on Isaac's, which i think is appropriate (laughs) well (laughs) you you number one greatest console my number one is the atari lynx wow you guys even know what i'm talking about nope sure don't (laughs) the year is 1989 1989 (laughs) this is the time of the original game boy right so you're playing the green game boy atari lynx came out with a full color backlit handheld that was so was so dramatically better they're not even in the same conversation with each other and it had uh it had it could render four thousand colors you know and whereas you know of course the game boy rendered one it was black (laughs) on a green screen that was it right and it not get this not only to have the full color backlit uh screen it had 15 player co-op networking built into it it was on a, it was wild. on a cord it was all corded networking but if you had friends that had the same game you could have a corded co-op or competitive networked game in 1989 wild. on your handheld that is wild wow. oh i gosh. adored the links now at the time i'm working at um what would ultimately become gamestop store number one it was at the time called Software, etc., wow. and we that's this is when these things were being sold as new, and I pushed that thing so hard all the time. Anybody who had any interest in handheld gaming, I'm like, oh, you got to see this thing. The Lynx is amazing, and it was uh, it was a, a fantastic piece of hardware, and you know it didn't end up having nearly as many games as I would have liked it to have had, but it, some of the games that it had on the Atari Lynx were fantastic, and it and it did have some you know some notable games on it as well and some stuff that would get uh ultimately ported to it the real popular games like tetris and stuff like that but um yeah the the atari Lynx is probably my favorite game and i'm not just saying it to be contrarian game system i played it constantly a ton of great games and just so much better than everything else that was on the market at the time 
That's wild. And I'm surprised we haven't heard of this considering like, again, the things Zane and I were saying where it's like, yeah, we had to fight to find light for our, you know, little <laughs> right. Game Boy that had a, yeah, black on a green screen. Right. Yeah. Right. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that thing, yeah. To get that lamp that would sit mm-hmm. on, you know, and, and beam down on it. I mean, yep. the, the things you had to go to, to play those games, it just, yeah, it was really unfortunate. Having right? multiplayer at that time is That wild. is nuts. Yeah. It really was. You know, the hard part was finding like four people that owned a Lynx and the same game. And you're on the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, for those moments when you did, it was fantastic. It was oh, man. Yeah. The Atari Lynx. I highly recommend just, you know, YouTube some Atari Lynx games. So you can see a little bit what I'm talking about because it is it's That's really cool. worth it. And just keep in mind, this is 1989. Uh, Isaac, what is your number one greatest console of all time? I'm fully expecting some pushback on this, but my number one is actually the Nintendo Wii. I, uh, this is actually my first, (laughs) oh, no pushback. All right. Jared's with me. All right. Good, good, good. I'm glad. Um, I, I, this is the first console that I owned and that the fact that I've got some nostalgia for this and the fact that it was such a revolutionary console is it's by far my number one. Like when we, we were talking about this list, I already knew my number one. And then I had to basically figure out the rest of my list after this, like this, this, had such man it had such great games and of course as as the as the we aged it did not age well necessarily but the fact that playstation and xbox were literally scrambling to add features that the we had to their own consoles like i mean i think that speaks volumes to I mean, they they were in their still own category at that point. Like they, you know, they had their own thing going on. But the fact that they brought the sensor like stuff to gaming was just like huge. And I think that jump started the interest in VR gaming as we know it. Like that was something that you could have in your home that that you could not find anywhere else mi- minus an arcade maybe you know like with the sensor stuff that they have in the gaming at arcades but i i thought it was just revolutionary and i still enjoy playing wii games on on our wii we have an old wii and you know on if if you have like games that you can bring to your switch and stuff like that i i love playing any wii games that that i can get my hands on so my wii is my number one console I can see Zane just like vibrating. Angry. <laughs> He's, He's like, angry. You're gonna sit here. He's angry. <laughs> and tell me that motion control is better than iToy and Connect. <laughs> Jared, Jared, just do your number one. <laughs> yeah, just do, just do your number one. The most formative console of my childhood, and I think my parents still own like four or five of these. The original Sony PlayStation. Um, this was what introduced me to gaming. Late nights watching my dad play Tactics and Final Fantasy VII. Um, we played Ape Escape on that, and all these all these titles that like were such a big part of my childhood. Uh, Gex, uh, uh, I mentioned them earlier. Uh, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro. Right. These are all games that kind of shaped young Jarrett into who he would become today. So um, we had the like special edition stickers that you could get and stick on there for like your your playstation one tattoos or whatever um yeah just a a big part of my childhood and i think i've killed more 
more hours on that console than any other one. And I still go back and play it every once in a while. So uh, the original Sony PlayStation 1 is my number one console of all time. Wow. We had surprising amount of differing consoles on everybody's lists here. I love that. Very diverse. Yeah, and unlike Zane, I'm not going to gatekeep. I think your guys' picks were all off. Odd that well, the PS1 only appeared one time. That is, that is actually pretty <laughs> crazy. I'm, I'm sure there are people, listeners, that are, well. are I'm surprised yeah, that rolling their eyes. In the same way that like a lot of us have memories of the NES or, or Nintendo 64, there were some like foundational starter games that that introduced an entire series on that and like um i think the remastered and, and the the them trying to bring a lot of those into the 21st century is like pretty hit or miss but just being able to go back and play those games in the way that they were originally done i remember like telling my wife about some of these games and i'm like you gotta see these these graphics were amazing for their time and i go back and look at them and i'm like Man, they're actually not, but like, yeah, I feel like rose-colored glasses, they look so much better to me uh, just, as, yeah. as baby Just remember them fondly. That's that's what you got to do. <laughs> well, it has been an absolute blast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Charge. Where can people check you out online? Yeah, how about at Paul Charging on Twitter? That's fine. You know, he plugged his shows in the beginning. Please go check those out. They're absolutely fantastic. Um, I just discovered your podcast literally last night and it's already one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> I've been on there 12 years and you're just finding <laughs> just, yeah. um, Jared's I, our odd to, one out. He lives in Montana, so he's, he's right, not quite as much as a oh, Minnesota okay. noob. Right. So that was, nobody, nobody mentioned that part. <laughs> to, to your credit, I ended up staying up like an extra hour and a half, two hours later than I wanted to because I had to finish the episodes that I was enjoying. <laughs> I so. appreciate that. Thank you very much. Guys, it's been a I pleasure. Say, I really appreciate it. Um, and if you do not, if you take nothing else away from this, go look up some Atari Lynx videos. And remember, <laughs> it's 1989. And look at what that thing was doing. It's it's shocking. Shocking what they were doing with the Atari Lynx back then. That's so cool. I'm excited um, to look into listen, it. Listen, and, and Charge, next time in Minnesota... Uh, you, me, and Rich Summer, we can go play some board <laughs> games together. Uh, screw the rest of these guys. We'll have a blast. All right. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks, guys. We'll Isaac, talk to you later. Absolutely. Isaac, you've been fantastic. Uh, thank you for joining us. Zane, you've been tolerable, I guess. Thanks. <laughs> uh, no, I love you, man. Um, to all our listeners at home, thank you so much for listening. We love you 3000. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, you know the normal places. Go check us out at theinfinitybros.com. Uh, we have our Discord links there, our, our daily snap, all the things that you love to see and hear from us. Please go check it out there. We love you, th- guys. 3000, thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Infinity Bros Podcast. You can find the Infinity Bros on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Infinity Bros. Feel free to send listener feedback via email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>